Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ryan Railsback podcast. I'm very grateful for you if you are choosing to listen to this today, so thank you. And you are in for a treat, because this is uh, an amazing episode. I decided to release this as the first episode that's a conversation with another person because I felt it was such an awesome discussion to kick off the start of my podcast. I met Abid Tej back at the beginning of 2020 in January, but it honestly feels like we've known each other for many lifetimes. At this point, I consider him a close friend and a brother. We met in LA at a spiritual weekend. I know that neither Abbott or I really believe in chance or coincidence, and it's very clear that we were meant to cross paths that weekend and form a relationship. From the minute we first started talking, I could feel the connection and the conversation flowed so smoothly. Then I found out that Abbott works in the healing field. He is a mindset coach and helps people tap into their subconscious to transform stress, trauma, and limiting beliefs. All in a matter of minutes, too. This isn't some six-month program to rigidly follow. He literally helps you pull beliefs and ideas out of your subconscious that have been hiding there, and you can feel the difference immediately. This dude is the real deal, and I've seen a fair amount of testimonials from his clients that proves he knows what he's doing. His company is called The Optimal Being, which is what he goes by on socials, and he has a podcast of his own where he covers pretty much every aspect of spirituality and how to live a life of purpose. Wisdom pours out of this guy's heart, and I am incredibly grateful to be able to call him a friend. There are so many amazing topics that we cover in this conversation, like practical daily habits, why spirituality is important in everyday life, We go into depth on a term called spiritual deficiency and why we feel the lack of spirituality in our culture today leads to many of our current issues. And we also touch on trauma, what it is, how it's created, and how to work with it and understand that everybody has the ability to turn their darkness into light. I'm so excited to hear what you think of this one and what resonates with you, so please let myself and slash or Abid know what you resonate with on Instagram. I'll link to his podcast and socials in the show description and show notes, so feel free to check him out there. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to this podcast. Uh, I'm grateful for your path crossing this podcast and I'm extremely grateful to be having this conversation with my friend Abid aka the optimal being thanks for uh thanks for doing this man absolute pleasure thank you for having me on yeah of course I'm uh, I'm excited to get into it but first I would like to start with a small little breathing exercise just to get in the mood um and I invite anyone who's listening to join in And so what we're going to do is do an inhale through the nose for four seconds, hold for five, and then exhale for seven. And so let's start this. So inhale for four, hold for five, exhale for seven. Inhale for four, hold for five, 
Exhale for seven. Last one. Inhale for four. Hold for five. Exhale for seven. All right. Getting in the zone. Best way to start a podcast. <laughs> I hope everyone feels that as well. And it's, I think, uh, the most convenient tool we have is our breath. And so in times of feeling anxious and uh, stress, uh, I always turn to my breath and find the present moment. Love it. Um, so, Abid, why don't we start by just you filling in uh, everyone who's listening on, you know, your profession, what you do, what you feel uh, your purpose is here, and yeah. Absolutely. So, hello, beautiful people. Um, my name is Abid. I run a coaching company called The Optimal Being, where I help entrepreneurs and executives tap into their subconscious to transform stress, trauma, limiting beliefs in minutes. With regards to my purpose, I think I'm just here to become all that I can be and help others do the same. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. Um, so touching on that, how have you been feeling in your own personal uh, subconscious and unconscious uh, and conscious mind um, over the last few months during this uh, you know, intense period that we are all going through and experiencing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, really good question. Me. We were just discussing before this interview how, how we're in the year of 2020, the year of 2020, vision, clarity, and you know we're becoming aware of a lot of stuff that we previously were ignoring. Um, and I think that's true for you know the collective, everyone right now, and it's true for each of us individually. And I'm definitely finding a lot of emotions, a lot of stuff is coming up around um, self-worth, around my purpose, around you know what am I doing here, all that kind of stuff that I guess a lot of us deal with on a day-to-day -day basis and this time instead of resisting it instead of ignoring it i'm um, allowing it to come up we're in this time where we can't really go anywhere else but deal with uh, the shadows that we've been uh, rejecting for so long yeah 100 percent. i think that it is so important for us to allow space for us to feel whatever we need to feel and and acknowledge and you know accept whatever is coming up because we have so many distractions usually and those distractions have been eliminated and mm. it kind of feels like uh, a big mirror is being held up to the collective and the individual and it's kind of forcing a, um, a, uh, a reckoning with uh, what our identities really are and what our identity really truly is. And so what sort of practices and habits have you been instilling to deal with that tension and that fear mm -hmm. uh, that seems to be kind of clearing out and detoxing and, and demanding attention? Yeah. So I find myself um, turning back to the practices that I've had. I've, I've, I've had my practices for a number of years, but now I am relying on them a lot more than anything. Um, my practices primarily involve something for the mind, something for the body, something for the spirit. When I wake up, um, I do a combination of those, whether it's, you know, waking up and working out or going to doing yoga, then I do a, a form of uh, yoga called Kriya, which is 
it's more of a um, inner one, which is not the normal, you know, doing the flexible poses and asanas. This is more breath work, going internal, um, using body locks and that kind of stuff. And then I do my visualization, my affirmations, my, my life vision, and making sure that I'm doing my meditations twice a day, every single day. Definitely feel the difference when I'm not doing that. And spending time in nature, spending time with family and actually, you know, reveling in the gratitude because I think this has actually made us aware of how much we are, um, have to be grateful for. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I know that you've said that sometimes you yourself feel resistance to those practices and uh, to, you know, almost the tools that we know in our hearts Mm -hmm. do help us and allow us to achieve um, that higher frequency and that higher internal state. And I myself, um, I feel it a lot. You know, I feel resistance towards um, those things that I know help me out. And it's almost like uh, I have to force myself to do them sometimes, mm-hmm. um, not in a negative or demeaning or shameful way, but it's to kind of show my ego that whatever it is resisting could actually be helping. And so like, mm-hmm. why, do you, why do you think we resist to those things and what holds mm-hmm. us back from just naturally just wanting to do those things? Beautiful question. And um, I, should, I should preface this by saying, you know, um, whenever I, I do a podcast, I always say, take what resonates, leave what doesn't. This is my truth. So if, if whatever resonates, if there's something that, that you pick up from this, um, amazing that I can provide it from my insights why I understand that I guess there's two layers on one layer we have a culture which is um, programmed to have instant gratification as we are seeing through the social media you know the feeds the tinder and what have you there is the ability that we want things that we want things now so whenever we have these practices these practices generally we see the benefit over a longer period of time so when we are um, as you said like now that we have time, we don't have external distractions, so it's actually easier for us to go into these practices. When we had the external distractions, it's very hard to turn from the outside world in. in. It's better to go internal and then go external. So it's better to start the practices first, first thing when you wake up and before you go to sleep. Um, otherwise, when you're trying to take your energy out from the ex- outside world and put it back into your inside world, then it's a little bit harder to do. The other thing is, is that also we are operating from our subconscious. So we operate from our subconscious 90, 95% of our time. Now, whenever we have these practices, which have not become a habit, they've not become something that's automatic as an automatic as waking up and brushing your teeth, right? Now that's a very normal thing to do. Like you would know when you haven't brushed your teeth or at least everyone else would around, you know, when you haven't brushed your teeth, this is the same way that um, happens when we have our practices. So our practices each, whatever the practice is, they require a certain element of willpower at the start to get them kicked off. And then once you are have asserted that energy, once you've given it that energy and that willpower, it then will move into the state of automatism. So the UCL report, which actually studied this, said that after 66 days is when you get to that state of automatism. So not creating a habit, which is 21 days, 66 days is when it becomes subconscious. It's when you don't even think about it. So it's sometimes what happens is we don't actually take that dedicated time to do it. And then once we do do that, we can then focus our energy on cultivating other habits. 
Yeah, definitely. It's almost like it's testing our uh, dedication to the habits that we mm-hmm. want to uh, that we want to uh, program into the subconscious, right? Right. And so, I myself have been heavily working on my habits over the last year and a half, two years as I've gone down this spiritual path, and it seems like habits are fully the foundation to anything that we want to achieve in life. And it, it seems like, you know, it is such a a simple idea that your habits will, you know, lay the path for you forward, but it becomes a, a, a challenging process because we have so much, uh, conditioning and, and things that we haven't healed or acknowledged yet. And so it's like, what have you found that helps to, um, combine with uh, creating habits to maybe get certain ideas or stories out of the way that are holding us back? Mm. What I used to do was I used to be like, okay, look, that's it. Like, this week I'm going to eat healthy. This week I'm also going to go to the gym and I'm going to meditate, right? And then when it comes to the end of the week, maybe I would have been lucky if I hit one of those. Um, what happens is we have finite amount of energy at any given time in any given day. And when we're trying to scatter that energy, it's kind of like the sun's rays. It becomes you know, less and less powerful the more it's scattered. But when you put the sun's rays through that microscope or whatever, you know the power of it because it can burn a leaf. Same way with our energy. It should ideally, what I find is, direct it towards one thing and one thing only. Focus your energy solely on one thing. Focus on that one habit you want to create and then your subconscious will take over and then you can move to the next habit. Beautiful, beautiful. And so like, yeah, I've... I've found for myself also like the question why really helps propel me into um, the main reason why I want to do something, you know, and I think a lot of times, like you said, we're operating from an instant gratification type of mindset. And so if the goal is to, you know, I, I want to exercise because I want to lose five pounds. You know, that's not a bad goal to have, but mm-hmm. if we are able to put the long-term perspective into our why, then that allows us to inch forward rather than, you know, killing ourselves for the first three weeks trying to complete sure. habit. And like you said, we burn out, we burn out on that energy. And so I found for me inching forward in s- very small incremental steps right. really helps get that process started of like kind of the feeling of progression and the feeling mm-hmm. of growth, no matter how small it is, you're still tape- taking that step forward. Absolutely. Continuous improvement, Kaizen, right? If you're doing 1% every day, by the end of a year, it's not 365%. It's a lot. So as you said, you know, it's like, it's like compound interest. Eighth wonder of the world, Einstein called it. So just keep, keep moving forward. And either way, you're either moving forwards or you're moving backwards. There is no standing still. Absolutely. 100%. And so how would you say that uh, daily spiritual habits um, and uh, spiritual choices and practices um, carry over into the practicality of life. And, and I, I've been thinking about this concept of um, spiritual deficiency and, you know, how we're told that we have uh, vitamin deficiency, uh, 
really whatever it could be in a physical material sense, there's a deficiency of. And so we have supplements, you know, anything that will, that will fill that. But if, you know, depression is at an all time high, anxiety is at an all time high, you know, these are essentially pandemics as well. And so it's like, so what can we do in practical terms to um, kind of move away from spiritual deficiency and closer to uh, spiritual intelligence? That is, I love that point. I love how you illustrated that as well, especially as I know you rightly said, we may be <laughs> one of the richest countries in the world, yet we're certainly not the happiest country in the world, right? Um, I think it's important to understand one of, the, one of the core principles of the work that I do is a lot of the problems that are facing us stem from one problem, and that's this, our illusion of separation. So we believe we're separate from one another and we're also separate from God, right? So whenever we have, and I, just, I love that term, spiritual deficiency, it's understanding that, first of all, you're a spiritual being having a human experience, having a physical experience. When I say that, what do I mean? I mean, first of all, you are spiritual and then you are human, right? You're not human and then spirit. You're first spiritual and then you're human. And spirituality doesn't have to be all this woo-woo kind of stuff. It, all it means is having an awareness that there is a force bigger than you out there and you are connected to everyone else. And when you operate from that awareness, then you can start showing up as a better person for others, as a better person for yourself, and also instilling the habits and what have you um, that help you to become more connected and to ultimately, the goal is to get over this illusion of separation and to become one with um, he who is, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's beautiful. And like, I, I always think about how, you know, especially in, in Western culture, we are very um, in tune with the materialism side and the mind specifically. And we are very conditioned in um, logic and reason. Um, and we're, we're kind of told that the heart doesn't possess those things, but it's almost like the heart has an intelligence of its own as well. And so I always think about the concept of unity and and singularity with the whole um, the whole organism and when you're not uh incorporating spirituality into your life you are very much living in your mind and so you can conceptualize the idea of unity but with what spirituality does is it helps you you move closer to your heart. And so you actually feel that unity. You literally feel connected to everything. And, and that makes it so much um, more difficult to, you know, point fingers and, and shame and, and, you know, continue to perpetuate that state of separation. Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. As you said, we have a society where, um, so the way that we like to think about it, or so when I say we, I mean I, um, in my line of work is we have two hemispheres of the brain, right? We have the left brain and the right brain. Um, the left brain is the more logical, analytical side, also associated with the more masculine side. The right brain is the more um, 
creative, intuitive side also associated with the feminine energy. And as a, as a society, we're more left brain dominant. We're more, as you said, logical, analytical. We want to see it first, see the results, see the facts before we believe it. Um, the right brain would say, you know, the left brain would say seeing it is believing. Um, the right brain would say believing is seeing. So the right brain is more connected with that intuition and that feminine nature. And I think we are ultimately coming and seeing the rise of people call it divine feminine, call it whatever you want. But ultimately, it's a unification of both the masculine energies and the feminine energies to create that whole brain coherence, that whole brain state where we're operating and using our intellect in its fullest capacity, not just our logical center. And then tuning into the heart as well, which is so, so powerful. I think they were measuring the electromagnetic field of the heart and it was coming up, don't quote me on this, but something like 50,000 times as powerful as the brain. So some serious, serious power. And then you have the gut as well. So you have the mind, you have the heart, and you have the gut. And the gut is our, our connection with um, the creator, super consciousness, call it God, universe, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think we're really starting to see the science uh, pick up around exactly what you said. And it's really starting to show the evidence of um, how meditation helps and creates that coherency between the hemispheres of the brain, the heart and the brain um, and the gut. And it almost the, uh, you know, I always think about um, Dr. Joe Dispenza and he has this huge movement where he, you know, has these um, workshops and, and um, where he literally hooks up like EKG monitors to people as they are, meditating and shows them how their heart is opening on a on a scientific level and so for me that just makes me so excited for the future because we're really starting to see the the science prove um in evidence form what has been around for you know thousands upon thousands of years that have been in practice mm -hmm. yeah 100 percent. as you said we're just we're really rediscovering stuff that was known a long, long time ago. And when I say rediscovering, we're kind of proving it to ourselves so we can then do it. <laughs> For those of us that are more logical centered. And I remember I was having a conversation with, um, so I was visiting, and I don't know if you're familiar with Sadhguru, who's the Indian mystic and the yogi. Um, amazing, amazing source and, you know, wisdom spouter. Like, just has so much wisdom within him. I was actually at his ashram in Tennessee which, you know, if you can go to that, it has the largest meditation center, I think, in the whole Western Hemisphere. So just even being in the energy of the place is unheard of. It's just, you feel such a vibration in your body. And I was there for a course, and I was speaking to a psychiatrist, a medical, you know, doctor, what have you. And he was saying that he has a clinic and he help, helps people uh, get over PTSD. And, and in America, the common thing for PTSD is, you know, let's just give them pills, right? Let's just drug them, give them the pharmaceuticals, ignore the problem, basically put a bandaid on it. And what they were using is they were actually starting to use um, pranayama breathwork. So a, a, one of the branches of yoga to control the breath, which then calms the mind. And they found they were actually, they did the studies and they found such a huge response, like advantageously over opioids and their clinic was completely full with people that were suffering from PTSD who were going in to do pranayama and to do breathwork to actually transform this. So as you said, you know, we are definitely, the evidence is there and people are using it now, which is just amazing to see. 
Yeah, definitely. And it's so interesting to think, you know, like the pharmaceutical drugs, like you said, it's, it's very much um, a bandaid for, uh, for the deeper issue. And, you know, I, I could be getting this wrong, but uh, I think most of the chemicals in, you know, painkillers and, and things like that is, is dopamine, right? And so we, we homogeneously produce dopamine in our bodies. And so instilling these types of practices and these habits and creating more understanding around them, it's almost showing us that literally everything that we need is already inside of us. We just, we just need to learn how to, how to open those receptors. Yeah, there's, there's one of the most amazing scientists out there. So there's Joe Dispenza who's doing amazing work. Another one is Bruce Lipton. Um, and he has a book called The Biology of Belief. And definitely if you're more science-minded, check that out. But essentially what you said is that we are, we're a walking pharmacy. We're a walking chemical factory. And the problem is a lot of us are lousy um, owners of our chemical factory. We don't know the switch. And it's not our fault, right? Like our system, the program, the society has designed us to be and rely on an external source rather than going inside and learning how to put this on. But you're absolutely right. Any medicine that you have, the only reason it works is because there's some form of that medicine within you. So there are people and there are certain practices that you can use that enhance that level of, of stuff within you. And when you look at, you know, people that go into, um, they take uh, DMT or acid or all this kind of stuff, the pineal gland naturally produces DMT and it produces it in its natural state, right? So this is stuff that is already within you and you can produce it. And we even have, for example, an endocannabinoid system right? Which I was just discovering and I was reading about recently. I was like, what? We have a whole system dedicated to actual, you know, cannabis essentially. And well, what does that mean? It means a, obviously people love to smoke because it just feels good. And you, the, the receptors instantly kind of grab onto that, that chemical. But that means that we actually naturally produce cannabis kind of stuff. And when they were looking at it, they were looking at runners because runners, uh, if you're familiar with running, you have a runner's high, right? after 30 minutes. And what they found is that after 30 minutes of running, your endocannabinoids increased by 33%. So your body and your system knows how to regulate and how to produce these chemicals. But oftentimes when we're relying on other stuff, that means the body stops producing it. So then we go through this little gray period where, you know, it sucks. <laughs> we get depressed, we get anxious, we get sad, what have you. But that's just because the body is kind of resetting, rebooting. And sooner enough, as long as you keep on the path, it will return to homeostasis it will return to that um, ability to actually naturally manage itself and the chemicals absolutely and it's like you know kind of going back to the idea of habits it's like we can move from the external habits to the internal habits and like i personally myself uh i've been a, a weed smoker since i was you know 16 years old 17 and i myself have had uh trauma in my past. Um, and I've always been a very anxious person, very insecure. And so I definitely used to reach for weed as like a, a, a blanket, kind of a security blanket. And because of reaching for it, it was like, okay, well, this is going to calm down my anxiety. And because that program then became automated in my subconscious, every time I would feel anxiety, my ego is like, oh, where's, you know, reach for the weed, where's the weed, you know, but by understanding that 
we can replace that external habit with a breathwork practice or with a meditation practice or listening to, you know, um, binaural beats or whatever uh, has been um, created to open up those receptors without needing to reach for those very external things. It, it makes such a, com- such a difference. And, you know, recently I've actually cut out my weed habit um, completely and it's been, um, very much a journey and and a challenging process. But now that I am at this point, um, I feel so much more energy than I did before. I'm sleeping better. Um, My anxiety is low. um, And it's interesting, you know, my creativity is higher. And it's interesting because when you're going down that path to kind of exchange the habits, the ego is like, trying to make excuses of like, oh, well, you need this for this. You know, if you stop, if you stop smoking weed, then you might not be as creative or you might not sleep as well. And these are all things that used to come into my mind. And so it's, it's again, like this, this trick and this kind of like magician (laughs) within ourselves that tries to get us to keep reaching for whatever we've been reaching for. And it's just so important to understand that like we do have the answers within us. You know, we do have the things that we need that are within us completely. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and as you said, oftentimes you were just reaching for that because you knew there was something within you that was coming up to the surface that you just didn't want to face right then. Right. So it was just the easiest thing to do. And it's an instant. Um, but when we actually become aware of the problem, why am I feeling anxious? Why am I feeling less creative or whatever? Get to the root of that. Then you find that, okay, I'm not reaching for this stuff as much as I used to because I'm no longer anxious or I'm no longer feeling lack of creativity. Definitely. And I think that it's also a misconception, you, you know, that we um, are very conditioned, I think, to strive for this idea of perfection and perfection uh exists without any what negative feelings you know that we would call pain anxiety any of that and so the moment that energy arises it's like oh get rid of it you know change it fix it rather than being able to sit there and feel it and acknowledge it and accept Mm -hmm. it and you know i i even i i started talking to my feelings and asking what are what are you here to show me you know what what can you teach me what do um where do i need to accept what do i need to acknowledge that i've been ignoring for too long and Mm -hmm. a lot of times they're they're almost like entities of their own they just want acknowledgement yeah i think rumi had that quote where he said like each morning um a different guest comes into your house whether it's depression or anxiety i'm probably merging the quote i'm sorry rumi but (laughs) you know how it is it's like as you said these things are not you because your truest nature is love right your truest nature is if you look at that of a child in its natural state it's happy it's joyful it's loving that's your truest nature over time you've just accumulated conditions and programs which are then making you believe what what have you but i think that was such an interesting point you made about you know we're always reaching for this idea of perfection but we have to understand that it's okay not to be okay we live in a world of duality like we live in a world of two polar opposites when if you look at the higher perspective they are same one they're the same thing right like you need hate to understand what love is 
you need to understand what suffering is so you can understand what pleasure is and happiness and sadness like all of these things although they may seem opposite they go hand in hand because they are done to elevate your growth completely yeah and like when it comes down to it as well it's like everything is always perfect exactly as it is in that moment you know and i i always have this this quote like on loop in my head and it's um time isn't anything but timing is everything and so the timing of things are always there to give us to give us lessons and to show us what we might be refusing to accept or to ignore and so just knowing that like the timing is always divine for everything and that things are are meeting and and crossing and coming into your awareness for a reason and you're in control of that reason you're in control of the perception of of that meaning of why they are there and so choosing to be grateful for them and choosing to understand that they are teachers is the spiritual path you know absolutely it is yeah everything is there to teach you something it's there to show you something it has a message whether you are off the level of awareness to understand that it's there, then what happens is that you are then in a loop. You're in a loop cycle. So you will experience the same things over and over again until you understand what that is trying to teach you. For example, I remember I had a one, one client and um, she was attracting the same type of men in her life, you know, emotionally unavailable men. And this was the same with every single person she was going with. She's like, why is this happening? And there's a process where we can actually unveil hidden subconscious messages around certain situations. And that's what we went into. And once we were able to transform and bring it up to her awareness of why this stuff was happening, transform that, transmute that, then um, she could start a new cycle, a new loop, which is like an upward spiral. And, you know, it just, it's like a circle, but with each event, you're getting higher and higher and higher on this, on this path. Not that there is, you know, um, any difference between being higher up or anything like that. It's just a, an upward rise. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you said the spiral because my friend uh, just last week compared it to uh, walking up a spiral staircase and you're just continuing going in loops up. And um, well, it, seem like, it seems like, you know, you might be hitting the same things over and over. I always remind myself that with awareness and the will to grow through it, that are, that's the perfect combination of of moving that's upwards. Yeah. <laughs> we, can, we can end it right now. <laughs> Literally, you just leave those things, you know, as that's beautifully said, an awareness and a will, and you're good, you're on your way. Yeah, 100%. And um, so I, you know, you mentioned uh, PTSD, and I am a big uh, proponent of really digging into trauma and healing trauma. And as I said, you know, I've had uh, trauma in my own past. Um, when I was very young, three or four, I had uh, a sexual trauma. Uh, when I was 10, my, uh, my father passed away. Um, and, you know, I'm, again, grateful for him every single day. Um, but I, I used to hold a lot of anger towards him and, and really hold... Um, and not be willing to let certain ideas and stories go um, around that trauma. And so how 
do you feel trauma is created and kind of inserted into our subconscious and unconscious programs that then um, kind of take control? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for, for, for sharing. And, you know, I, I guess I can say that to you. I'm, I'm grateful and I'm happy that you've brought that up to your awareness and you've transformed that because obviously it's made you even more powerful, even more courageous. Thank you. Um, trauma is a very, a very interesting thing. Um, essentially what trauma is, how it's created is when a negative event happens and that creates then a lasting energetic and emotional imprint. That's, that's kind of the nature of what it is. Now, these events, they are unique to each person. Like a trauma doesn't necessarily, for, for, for one person, it's a sexual abuse. For other person, it might be a really bad breakup. For someone else, it might be getting stung by a bee, right? Like it's how you're interpreting the situation and how lasting that energetic and emotional imprint was. Essentially what happens with trauma is you have been in, like there's this, there's this graph and it shows kind of the different levels of human emotion, um, like from like so-called good to bad. It just me- measures them in different, I think it's hurts. And if you look at the right at the bottom, the most powerful negative, quote unquote, negative human emotion is fear. So it's whenever you're in that state of fear for too long, then there is an emotional or energetic imprint, which then creates a trauma. Now, what happens is that, as I said before, we operate from our subconscious 90% of the time, 90 to 95% of the time. But what's fascinating is that our subconscious is actually formed 90% by the time we're seven years old. So before we're seven, we're operating in a state which is like a sponge. We're absorbing everything from our environment through to the experiences, the beliefs, the attitudes we're forming. <clears throat> Just have a sip of water. And what happens is then when we are kids, if we are experiencing something that's really, really traumatic, this can lead to what we call disassociation. So this is when it's actually to the conscious mind, it's too much to actually even acknowledge that that trauma was happening. And there's, there's a certain element of denial, right? Like this did not happen to me. How could this happen to me? And so we bottle it up and we store it somewhere in the dark basement of our mind. And then when we go on and carry on through life, we're like, why am I getting triggered? Why am I getting angry? Why do I feel these feelings? And ultimately it's just because something has happened and we haven't faced that yet. And once we do face it, then that, feeling of darkness, density, anxiety, whatever, however it's manifesting for you does clear. Definitely. That's a beautiful description. Thank you. And like, I, I've found it very um, important that to realize that like, you know, as you create that kind of disassociation and store these, these experiences within your your body and the energy and in your unconscious that to know that that is a survival mechanism and that that does you know serve a purpose for a certain amount of time and so i think that when you start moving to a place of where you are willing to you know let things go and understanding that you want to let things go that um to not allow that shame to creep in for holding on to things for so long because it did serve a purpose for a the time being you know and again like i think that with the combination of trauma and the way that we are conditioned to very much live in our minds rather than um having the coherence between heart and mind we can 
tend to create the victim mentality of, well, this happened to me, like, you know, the world is against me, how could this happen to me? And the simple switch of mindset of, you know, this happened for me, not to me, and for me to learn, to understand, like you said, you know, you have to go through one end of the spectrum to get to the other. And so in order to get to being a uh, being of light, essentially, you have to go through the darkness. And to um, I watched the movie, per your suggestion, uh, last weekend, A Wrinkle in Time, and it was so good. And it's all about trauma and, and healing your trauma. And the quote in there from Rumi that they say is, uh, the wound is the place where the light enters you. And until we are willing to look at that, we will be holding ourselves in darkness. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I personally believe that um, trauma and um, refusing to look at trauma, you know, creates a, a manifestation of the shadow as Carl Jung would talk about. And so like, mm -hmm. until we are looking, willing to look into that, we are not able to heal. And I think that again, just like with certain habits or practices that um, are ego or maybe not so much, so much the ego, the shadow tries to justify that we don't need to do that. We all have trauma. Like you said, it could be getting stung by a bee. It could be um, a bad breakup. It could be, it could be falling off of a playground when you're a kid, whatever, whatever it may be. And um, even we, we go through a traumatic experience when we go through birth when we come into this world it is such a traumatic experience and we go through a survival mode of of not being able to breathe and 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 the fear is instilled in us just like immediately you know and so i think that the more we're able to accept that everybody receives some sort of trauma in their life yep. then and, you know, the simple quote of when you heal yourself, you heal, you heal the world. And that could never be more truer in, in that sense of the word. Um, mm -hmm. And to kind of make it full circle, it's like, that is what's happening right now with the collective and with right. the world. And we are really being forced to feel that trauma that, that yeah. we haven't looked at. Um, and so again, it just, it really makes me so excited and faithful for the future because we're in the middle of a collective healing, whether, whether we realize it or not. Yeah. You have to, you have to reveal it to heal it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so I think we're coming close to, um, wrapping up this conversation. Um, but I know that you well, me personally, I'm very big on the idea of stories and that everything in this world is essentially a story. Identity is a story. Every single thing is a story. And so how can we use stories to our advantage? Oh, I love that. So, well, I think it's about creating what is the story of your life, right? What is the story you want to create? Because it's a story that's always in motion. The pen is in your hand, so to speak, right? And I remember I was listening to this interview with this guy who was in jail for 10 years 
And he was like, you know what? If I'm going to be in jail for 10 years, I'm going to make it the most amazing 10 years of my life. And what he did is he was viewing himself almost out of body as if viewing himself and his life through a higher perspective and saying, man, if I'm going to eat this food, I'm going to eat this food like there's, n- there's no last day in the earth. If I'm going to work out, I'm going to work out like there's no last day in the earth or what have you. Um, and it's just understanding that you are the writer, you are the director of your own life story, which is unfolding day by day. And you ultimately get to decide how it ends. However majestic or however depressing you want that ending to be, it's completely and utterly in your hands and it's your responsibility. And with that, you know, it's sometimes it's a bit daunting for people, but ultimately it's empowering. It's like, wow, if I'm in charge of my life, what is the life that I want to create? What is the story I want to create? What is the legacy I want to leave behind? And ultimately understanding that this is a co-creation as well. It's not just you doing this. That's one end of the spectrum. The other feedback loop is we are co-creating the story of our world. Like, so right now, what is the story of tomorrow for us? Like, what are we, what are we moving towards? Are we going to be moving towards a, a civilization or a world with free energy, with you know, resources where no man, woman, child goes hungry? What is the story we want to create as a species, as a humanity, and moving towards that highest version of that story that we can envision? Absolutely beautiful. I think that's a, a perfect place to wrap up, uh, wrap up this conversation. Um, well, once again, man, thank you so much for, for stopping by on this. I'm excited to do it uh, many more times in the future. Um, but why don't you go ahead and let people know where they can find you? You know, I, I personally, you are one of my favorite Instagram accounts I, out of everything that I follow. And it's just, it's all so applicable and so practical. And so uh, let people know where they can find you on socials and, and online. And we'll also, I'll include it in, you know, the show description. Appreciate that. And, you know, just want to take a mo- moment to honor you, Ryan. I, I appreciate our friendship, appreciate our, our journey, which has just, just started. And, you know, thank you for, for having me on to let me um, just share my little bit of what I know and understand. Um, so you can find me online, theoptimalbeing.com or on Instagram, theoptimalbeing, and also on Apple Podcasts, The Optimal Being. That's, that's the name. <laughs> Simple enough. Simple enough. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, I can't express my gratitude in words, really. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm extremely excited to see uh, where things head from here. Beautiful. All right. It's been a pleasure.